Tune in to 12.33 ABC Newcastle wherever you are. Find more from your favourite shows. Catch up on stories you've missed with abc.net.au slash Newcastle. I've been meaning to get Deb Mostello to come in on Local Treasures for about the last seven years. <clears throat> which says far more about me than it does about Deb or our beautiful maritime centre here in Newcastle. But here she is. Hello. Well, you were just saying you couldn't do Tuesdays anyway last yeah, year. Yeah, I was at uni on Tuesdays, so... Doing a little bit of further study. Yeah. Got to keep the, the brain ticking over. What's your background? Well, do you want the short story or the long story? Um, oh, well, you know, <laughs> we've, we've got 19 minutes. Away yeah. you go. No, I'm actually an ancient historian by trade. Ancient? Yeah, ancient Rome. Ooh. That's, that's my love. Um, not a lot of jobs in it, and the Romans didn't actually get to Australia, so not, not a lot here. So. You know, when I was a little kid and, and we were living uh, in Manly and there was a park that ba- bounded onto our backyard and I was messing about in there one afternoon. I used to always cut my feet because I'd go barefoot. But anyway, I found a coin and mm-hmm. it turned out this coin was uh, a Roman coin um, from the <laughs> Emperor Truce. This is a true story. Uh, the Emperor Diocletian. Wow. Yeah, this little bronze coin. Wow. And so forever since then, I used to think, you know, why can't there just be another... Maybe the Romans did come to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> another coin under every rock in my local park. Archaeology doesn't work like that because that's my other string to my bow is I'm an archaeologist as well. So, so you um, do all of it. Yeah. Dig up your own coins. I'm a crazy person. Is it true if you go to Italy, if you turn over a rock, you'll probably find a coin? Pretty close to it. That is so cool, isn't it? Road Roadworks people hate archaeologists because every time they build a new road in, in Rome, they have to stop because inevitably they'll dig up something. And the work that had been going over the last decade, I guess, with the um, the underground rail lines. Which is brilliant now. With the trains. Yeah. Yeah. But the stuff that they the were finding that they as they were doing that. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine what they found. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Oh, do you think that this leads, though, to your average white Aussie like me perhaps not having enough respect for our own history until you really start to think about our Indigenous history and, you know, like, hello, rest of the world. Yeah, Look exactly. And I think, yeah, a lot of us think, oh, we're not very old. You know, it's, you know, a couple of hundred years, old, years yeah. old. But really, um, I've worked on a few Indigenous digs and it's pretty amazing to hold a, a stone tool that's, you know, anywhere up to 40,000 years old. It's, and what they could do with a piece of stone. Last <laughs> so year, clear. and we'll get to your thing yeah, shortly. But eventually. Last year, Deb Mostello was my guest, Program Coordinator from the Newcastle Maritime Centre, who's joining me for Local Treasures this year. Last year, I went on a tour of the tank stream in Sydney and oh, one of wow. the um, waterboard archaeologists came along and as they have done work on it over the years uh, and restored bits that she had in her pocket... Um, stone tools mm. that they had found in the tank stream, which shows that even in that, when it was still just a little stream, that the, the Indigenous people in the colony at the time were still using the stream. I did a, a dig early last year, yeah, last year, um, and part of it was in Parramatta during that awful heat wave last year. Yeah. Oh, tell you, you don't want to be digging in that. No, it all seems glamorous till that happens. Exactly. It? Yeah. But we had to dig up part of a footpath. And as we're pulling out all the, the cement and everything from the concrete, we found stone artefacts in the concrete footpath over the top of our site. So we had actually fill from another site. Oh. <laughs> so the stones and the rubble that we used to make the concrete. Yes. 
were came. from a riverbed somewhere oh. or other. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And ended up in the cement that was on top of the site that we were digging. I suppose that's going to happen here, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> when you need a little bit of stuff to mix in We kind of looked cement. at each other and went, oh, oh no worries. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we did things differently then, and that is too often used as a, an excuse mm. as well. Lovely to have you on board this Thank year you. because our Maritime Centre is just as significant uh, with the objects and the stories that you have to share with all of us as our museum or our art gallery, uh, any of our wonderful collecting institutions. You're right. I mean, we were founded on the harbour. Mm. And I think any Newcastle local who can trace their family back will trace it somehow back to something that had to do with the harbour. Yeah. So we're going to start telling your stories as well, which I'm just so excited about. I can't wait. But today you've come in with, <laughs> I said it was something a little bit pongy and a little bit whiffy. And it is. It's not too much or unpleasant. In fact, it's one of those smells that I think a lot of people quite like. Well, if you can remember the fireworks nights. Cracker night. Cracker it's, night. It's the smell of firecrackers, isn't it? Mm. What is this thing? It looks, it looks like it was built by someone's dad in the backyard. I bought a rocket in for you. Oh. It's not every day you get a rocket in the studio. It's not every day I walk down Hunter Street with a rocket in my bag. <laughs> See, that is one of the joys of coming in here. You just asked Julie Baird about coming in here with a stuffed platypus. Yes. Who says there aren't perks to our jobs? That's right. <laughs> now, this is not actually all that large. There's, there's a wooden stick like a, a piece of tomato steak, I guess. Probably. A little, little bit thinner than that, but a chunk of wood out the mm. bottom and a metal... Um, cylinder or a couple of cil- one of them looks like an old can of some mm. sort and then I said to you the actual <laughs> long part of the rocket is like the body of the tin on the old fly spray things that my mum used to come into the bedroom with when I was a kid and spray the mozzies mm. with liquid those were the days don't know how much DDT we wore mm. but anyway so that's what it looks like and it's got a little cone mm. on the top of it it almost looks like something out of um, one of the Bugs Bunny cartoons or something. You know. <gasps> it is an Acme rocket. <laughs> it's an Acme rocket. <laughs> That's what it is. It is an Acme rocket. It's it's a fairly um, pedestrian and utilitarian yeah. looking thing. We what is it? Well, it belonged to the, funnily enough, the Rocket Brigade. And the Rocket Brigade was an organisation that worked with uh, our lifeboat crews to rescue ships and their crews. Well, didn't rescue the ships, but they rescued the crews. Hmm. And it was for ships that had gone too close to shore. So the lifeboats wouldn't be able to get to them. So if they were beached on the shore, Hmm. but there was still enough water raging around them that you couldn't get off safely. I was standing over the top of what's left of the Adolphi Mm. a little while ago and just thinking about the lifeboat crews Mm. and imagining, you know, the big seas that we see and just thinking, no. You know those days you want to stay in bed with a hot chocolate and DVD? Mm. Yeah, they were out rowing in it. Yeah. And trying to save people. And trying to save people. So they were extraordinarily brave. Maybe a little bit. And I think this is a little little bit crazy. Yeah, if you're descended from one of the lifeboat crew, Deb has just said that you're all crazy. Oh, to go out in that though. Wow. No. It's mad. No. Mm. When were our lifeboat crews active? Well, the the actual Victoria life, the lifeboat crews have been around since we've had the harbour really Mm. um the victoria lifeboat that's the most famous one Mm. was built in 1897 and was in service up until about 1946 wow yeah its last rescue was really in about 19 off the top of my head about 1920 1930 around about that time yeah but the rocket brigade was actually still in service up until 1974 it was last used on the signal 
Was it really? Yeah. I had no idea. I thought that'd get you. That's <laughs> it. Sure has. Oh, that is just wonderful. Mm. And you'll be still getting trained. A lot of seamen were still getting trained on using the rocket up until one of my volunteers was trained in it around 1965. Oh, I have to interrogate him. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I have I've to interrogate him. I've already had this morning, but you yeah, have. he was. <laughs> I had to make sure I had it all right. <laughs> it is something that perhaps we don't recognise enough in Newcastle in that this, this town and this city pretty much sadly was the shipwreck capital of the country. Absolutely. It was, it was so dangerous to come here, especially before the break wall was built. You know, ships that might have tried to come between Nobbies and mm. the mainland. Mm. That was just craziness. I think last time I actually had a chat to you about the Signa over mm. at the Maritime Centre, the, the number off the top of your head was something like more than 200 shipwrecks just on our little part of the coast. That we know of. And who knows how many actually left. We've got stories of ships that we know that left and, and never, never arrived. seen again. You know, it's... It oh, was, that is so sad. It's, it's very it? sad and... Um, but that was just the way of the life. That's what you had to do. Okay. So let's but paint the picture. It's a dark and stormy night, Deb. It's a dark and stormy night. I can tell you one about Susan Gilmore. Okay. Oh, the nudie beach. Well, before it was known as that. <laughs> see, everyone said that when I first came to Newcastle, that's the first thing everyone said about oh, the nudie Susan beach. G- yeah. You see, so many of our lovely little <laughs> beach spots actually have their names um, having, you know, been based in a shipwreck tragedy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Susan Gilmore Beach was one of them. So she was coming north in about 18... Oh, I'm going to forget the date now. She being Susan Gilmore was actually a ship. A ship, yes. Mm. And she was coming north and she ran into a bit of trouble. They tried to tow her in. Oh, Nick's good. 4th of July, 1884. Nice. Well done. Yay, Nick. Okay. And um, she ran into a bit of trouble. They tried to tow the ship. Just wasn't happening. The seas were too rough. And she ended up coming ashore. So 1884, we're Mm. still talking about a sail vessel, aren't we? We we were starting to see a little bit of steam, but not a heap, were we? Yeah, okay. They tried to use a couple of steam tugs to see if they could pull her off, but, Mm. you know, it was just just too hard. So the rocket um, brigade was called into action, and depending on the sort of beach, they would actually have to either pick everything up, all this equipment, so it's just not a rocket. Mm. They've got stands and tripods and ropes and the whole shebang, and run down to the beach, or if they were lucky enough, they might have a cart nearby and they could actually load everything up and get horse-drawn down to the beach. Mm. So a lot of them were probably exhausted before they even got there after carrying all this equipment. And they would finally find where the shipwreck was, remembering it's still a dark and stormy night. Mm. No mobile phones. Yep, these things never happened in the middle of the day. Mm. And they would have to um, fire a rocket. And attached to that rocket was a light, a light piece of rope. Mm. And you would fire the rocket over the, over the ship, hopefully, mm. bearing in mind you've got 100-kilometre winds and all those sorts of things. And all being well, they would tie this light rope on, secure it, and then pull another heavier rope from the beach up to the, the main mast or anything that was really tied down well. Wow. Then... Yes. <laughs> then the pulley had to be pulled up. So they had a big pulley. Yeah. And attached to that pulley was what was called a breeches boy. A breeches boy is a large well, life ring. 
with a big canvas bag in it. Yeah. With two holes in the bottom. Yeah. For your legs. Okay. So you got into that. And you're flying foxed, sort of, I guess is the only way. In a storm in the middle of the night. In a storm in the middle of the night. Now, can you imagine the ladies getting off that ship? 1884, a few mm. petticoats. Yeah. Trying to maintain your lady. Your dignity. <laughs> your dignity. You know, would they really have cared? Would they have cared? I'm not sure. But I know it was a gentler time, but mm, would they have cared? Probably not. Mm. Um, the captain's wife on the Susan Gilmore actually got dunked in the water a few times, so I'm sure she was pretty much over it and just wanted to be on safe ground. So how many people were on the Susan Kilmore? About 14 on that one. Yeah. Also two dogs, a cat and a canary. Did they all survive? Yes. The whole lot? The whole lot. Including the critters? Yep. Two dogs, a cat and a canary. You've got a cat, don't you? Yeah. Have you ever tried to bath your cat? <laughs> no. Yeah. I have in previous incarnations <laughs> of cats, yes. but Can you imagine trying to get a cat into a breeches boy mm. over a raging surf? Oh, maybe they just threw it into a bag. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, um, it is just awful to think about the shipwrecks for starters, let alone the conditions in which the, the, the rocket brigades and the lifeboats were trying to work to mm. save people. And it didn't always work, of course. No, and for a long time a lot of them were even volunteer. Mm. Um, so they weren't even getting paid to risk their lives. And, but later they did, you know, the, they became paid workers. Mm. But still, it's just having to get in a, in a boat and row... I mean, in the Victoria, they actually had to lash themselves on with pieces of rope into the into the seat of the Victoria. Now, is the Victoria the one that you have at the yes. Maritime Centre? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know when the Maritime Centre reopened, I don't know if you still have, I haven't been in for a while, but you had a wonderful, um, like, audio-visual. Mm, we still have that, yes. Yeah, and sitting there and watching that in the dark and listening to it was just terrifying, mm. so evocative yeah. of a big stormy night rescue. Exactly, and... And that's exactly what happened, as I said before. It was those nights that you're just glad that you were tucked up in bed were the mm. nights that these guys were out risking their lives to, to these ships that were in distress. I mean, you look at things like the Kawara Gale, where how many people died in that gale? I can't even remember. It was quite a few thousand. Oh, not a few thousand, but hundreds. Mm. Um, I just can't even imagine. Mm how hard it would be. So this little rocket that you've got with you, the mm-hmm. actual metal part of this is about just under two feet long, I mm-hmm. guess, and it's got the stick on the end and they'd have tied the little, as you said, the little light rope to mm-hmm. this to secure it. When was, was this used? What do you know about this actual rocket? Not a lot, to be truthful. Not a lot. We know it came from the um, Stockton side. There were two life bro- uh, rocket brigades, and I'm just told a lie then. It didn't come from the Stockton side. It came from the other side. It came from the, the southern side. Yeah. Our rocket cart that we have in the, in the museum was also used down in Catherine Hill Bay. Um, so we've combined those two exhibits hmm. together. Uh, I be- I'm not sure whether or not the Stockton Historical Society has more about the Stockton side. Hmm. Um, but this one definitely came from, from our side. Um, we, just, we don't have a lot of information about it. Hmm. We'd like some more. Well, we're always looking for more information and hopefully some of the listeners will be able to to add to your stories. Well, see, the things that people have tucked away in their homes that, you know, they got from a grandparent Mm. or that's just been, you know, it's always been a part of the furniture around the home is just just extraordinary. What do you see as the importance of the Maritime Centre? What's your role? Our role is to 
it's to tell those stories, record those stories. You know, as I said before, everyone has someone who probably worked somewhere near the docks, Mm. um, worked for the dockyard, Mm. um, even for BHP shipping. These, these guys worked really, really, really hard in conditions that you just couldn't even imagine. And so much has changed. The port has changed. Oh the port goodness. is safer mm. uh, by a factor of about a gajillion. Yeah, um, weather still jumps up and... It still surprises us It still surprises, you know. Uh, but it's not, you know, it, it is so, so very, very different to how it was when we had our, our lifeboats and rocket brigades working out there. It would be so easy to forget. It would be. It would be. And I even look around at our shed alone. Our shed was built in 1910 and it used to be a general cargo shed. And we've got pictures of it full, filled up with uh, bales of um, wool, yeah, um, beer kegs. Yeah. I know someone whose first ever footstep on Australian soil was in our museum, oh, in our building. That, that's wonderful. You know? There's a story. Yeah. Yeah. So even our little building has a... If those walls could talk, because it yeah. also used to be a customs building, those walls could oh, talk. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Oh, there you are. Oh, come over one day and we'll do a local treasures just on your building. I would love that. And then we'll do the shipwrecks and the other bits and pieces and odds and sods in there. Sounds like a plan. Is there still any beer? Yeah. Oh. Well, at least I'll you have been something out for now, you, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deb Mastello, thank you so much for coming in today and telling us uh, an amazing story about very welcome. a little object, just a little object, but it tells an amazing story about a very, very different time, um, and that being the lifeboat and rocket brigades. Uh, and we'll talk again very, very soon. I hope so. Thank you. You're welcome. Good to see you, Deb Mastello from the Newcastle Maritime Centre. Um, so there you go, Deb joining the lineup this year for Local Treasures. Many more stories to come. Tune in to twelve thirty three ABC Newcastle wherever you are. Find more from your favourite shows. Catch up on stories you've missed with abc.net.au/newcastle.